How many of y'all are happy to be saved? Amen. Amen. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We should be excited for all that God has done for us. We have much to praise God for. And uh, I don't know about you, even though, uh, even though things don't always seem like they're going good, you look at today's economy. Don't look at the economy, look at the economy. There you go. And uh, it, can be, it can be kind of scary, can't it? it just watching gas prices go up and, and food prices go up. And I just want you to understand that doesn't mean God has left us or forgotten us. Amen? Uh, it, while our pockets may be hurting uh, a little bit, uh, God is still in control. And uh, I, I thank the Lord for that. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 6 uh, we're going to look at verse 16 again. I'm going to pray and, and uh, see where the Lord takes us. I'll, I'll be honest, I, I have been struggling with what to preach this morning. Uh, Brother Rich said he was having the same, uh, same issue. Apparently God does not want some messages preached or taught. Uh, not God. The, Satan doesn't want those things taught. And, uh, and God does, and it's, uh, but he's, he's been causing some some battles within us, and so I just uh, be praying for me. Uh, it says, uh, verse 16 says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. As we, as we pray, I, I, I want to challenge you. Pray with me. And as, as you pray, ask God to speak to you. Ask God to, to, to touch your heart. Because I can get up here and say all kinds of things. And I can say it in power, but if our ears aren't open and our hearts aren't tender to it, you might even think that was a good message. But it's only through the Spirit of God that he works in us. So we pray Pray for me, pray for yourself, and, and we'll see what God can do. Let's pray. Father, I, I pray and ask that now as we open your word, Lord, we, first of all, we, we, we want to thank you and praise you for it because it is powerful. Lord, it can be effective in convicting and correcting and changing us and directing us. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would open up our eyes that we would be able to see these truths and see our own lives in relation to your word. And I ask that your spirit would have your way with each one of us. Lord, give me the words to speak. I pray that there would be nothing of me in this message. It would be only what you would have me to say. And Lord, thank you. Because, Lord, I, I, I need you. We ask this in Christ's name. This, you can t stay here for, for the moment, but in the moment we're going to turn to Psalms chapter 1. Uh, but uh, as, I, as I read this and read over this, it, it amazes me when I think about the people of Israel. When I think about where Israel was in Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. Uh, uh, he was one who preached the word of God. God literally spoke to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah would go out and he would preach to the people. But they wanted nothing to do with it. 
He wasn't reading from books, and he wasn't just making up his own messages. He was hearing from God, and he had a message for God's people, the people of Israel, and they wanted nothing to do with it. It was, a, it, was, it was a, in fact, as we see in the first several verses that we read there, it's in verse 10, it says that the, it says that the, uh, verse 1, this, or verse 10 says, To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised, and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. Uh, they, were, they, they didn't delight in the things of God or in the word of God. They delighted in themselves and in the things that they wanted to do. Uh, they, they, they only wanted to listen to those prophets who would tell them what they wanted to hear. Now, we all like to be encouraged, amen? We, we all like to have somebody come alongside and say, you're doing well, brother, or you're doing well, sister. Uh, this, this is great. But it doesn't do us any good to hear that we're doing well when we're not doing well. <laughs> it, it doesn't, it, it, it's, it, while it may make us feel better, it doesn't make us any better. When, as, a, as a paramedic, if I went to somebody's house and I put them on the, 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 uh, the EKG monitor and I did a 12-lead or 16-lead EKG, I could tell if they were having a heart attack or not. And if I looked at that and I saw a heart attack and I said, you know what, you're, you're just fine. You just stay home today because I didn't want to take them to the hospital he heard what he wanted to hear because nobody wants to hear they're having a heart attack, right? Doesn't make him any better, does it? It doesn't change the fact that if he doesn't go to the hospital, there's a good chance that he's going to die. Sometimes we need to hear things that are difficult for us to hear so that we can examine the truth of those things and then we can apply them to our lives. Jeremiah is talking to the people of Israel. Uh, they, are, they, are, they, are, they, they don't delight in the word of God. They don't delight in his ways. In fact, they reject those things. And they're walking in their own ways in, in the way that they think is right. Sounds like America. <laughs> it sounds like the church. It says in verse 11, Therefore I am full of fury, of the Lord, I am weary with holding in. I will pour it out upon the children abroad, upon the assembly of young men together. For even the husband with the wife shall be taken, the age with them that is full of days. And their houses shall be turned unto others with their fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand upon the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord. For from the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even to the priest, everyone dealeth falsely. God says, I am weary with holding in from my wrath. There will be judgment, is what he's saying. There will be judgment for our sin. In biblical days, the people of Israel, for some reason, thought that, well, God hasn't brought judgment upon us yet, so I guess we're okay, even though he sent prophet after prophet after prophet. And what's even more mind-boggling to me is that in the book of Joshua, I mean, they, they saw the works of God, they had great victory most of the, for the most part, in the book of Joshua. But they came in, and at the end they said, the Lord, he is our God, we will follow him. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But you get into the book of Judges, and Judges tells us that the next generation, they rose up a generation that knew not God. 
and you follow through through the book of the entire book of Judges, and God brought judgment upon judgment upon judgment upon the people of Israel. And uh, but in His mercy, He would send forth a deliverer, a judge. Uh, and we know many of them. Deborah was one. Samson was another. Uh, Gideon was another. Who would come along and they would rise up and they would bring the people back into God and they would they would cast off those their wickedness and cast off their sin and they would they would see great victory over their judge over those who were oppressing them. And every single time, every single time, once they had victory, once they, they were free of the oppression, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And it wouldn't be but a short period of time. Even Gideon, which, which again, I keep saying the word boggles my mind, but I, I, I am just utterly amazed at, at the, the, the turnaround and the hypocrisy in Gideon's life, who God spoke to him and God raised him up to lead a small, a small group of soldiers to, to, to cast off and chase out an entire army, a massive army of people. And at the end of Gideon's story, he's building other altars, other gods, and worshiping them and, and leading the people of Israel to do the same. Why is that? He's choosing to walk in the wrong way. Notice it says that the, from the least to the greatest, even to the, to the priests, they're all speaking lies, and it's all hypocrisy, and the same is true today. Many Christians, whether they're, they're, whether they're uh, the least, uh, 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 the, the, the poorest, the, the lowliest among us, uh, all the way to the pulpits, there is a problem in the church. There's a problem in our country. It says there in verse 14, they have healed also the herd of the daughters of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, where there is no peace. Isn't that what's going on today? It's all good. Look at how things are. We, 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 we all have nice cars. We're all driving. People have jobs. The government's sending us cash. Right? There's, there's all kinds of things. Now, yes, our economy is a little, under, a little under the weather right now. And we can blame the president, or we can blame the situation, or we can blame Putin, we can blame all kinds of things. And listen, I'm not going to say that this is judgment of God, because the judgment of God is a whole lot worse than $6 gas prices. Just saying. But I, but I will tell you this. Well, we can say, peace, peace, everything's okay. God, is, the wrath of God still will come upon the people of this world. And the book of Peter says the judgment will begin in the house of God first. See, out of everybody in this world, uh, we, have, uh, we have more to answer for because we have the truth. Not only do we have the word of God, which God has given to us, uh, and, and as, uh, as holy men of God spake, as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for, for, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. We have the word of God. We also have the Holy Spirit, which teaches us what the word of God says. If you're saved today, you don't just have the word, you have the spirit within you to help you to understand and to live according to the word of God. Thank the Lord. But that, that brings upon us a greater responsibility. Because while the world is ignorant to the truth, 
Those that are lost and those who are without Christ, they don't understand the truth of the gospel. The, to, the Bible says the gospel is hid to them that are lost. The, the God of this world has blinded their eyes, according to Paul. And I, I want you to understand, they don't know the truth. And they look at this and they see this foolishness. And they're living their lives according to their own will because that's how the, their nature is. But you and I do not have the same nature. We were once dead in our trespasses and sins. We were once living our lives according to the direction of Satan. But if you're saved today, you're not living that way. You shouldn't be living that way. You shouldn't be living according to the lusts of your flesh. Say, well, I'm not committing fornication. I'm not stealing. I'm not... We look at those gross sins and we say, that is wickedness. That is sinfulness. And I don't do those things. And God looks at us and he shakes his head. And he looks at us and our, as we say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. As he sees us live our lives in ways that he would direct us not to, in ways that he would have us to flee from, and, and, and engaging and laughing at things that, that are shameful and wicked and, in his eyes. Listen, I'm not talking about the world. The world looks at us and they think we're kind of weird, Right? They're all at church on Sunday. The, the, it's, the sun is out, and, and, and the, 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 the weather's warm. You can go to the beach today. It's weird to spend it inside. They don't understand that. But just because you go to church doesn't mean everything in your life is right. Because if you look at the priests, they were there at the church. They were serving and doing all the things that they, that they were supposed to do according to the law, but what did, what did God say about the, 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 the people of Israel? They honor me with their lips, but they reject me and they deny me with their hearts. Verse 15 says, Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I will visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. They're not even ashamed. There's no conviction in their heart. Their hearts have been hardened to the sin. Their hearts have been hardened to the things that God calls an abomination. They don't blush. They're not afraid. They don't see judgment coming. They just live their lives. They laugh and mock at things that they shouldn't laugh and mock at. They live in ways that they shouldn't live. They watch things they shouldn't watch. They go where th the places they shouldn't go. They, they, they do all kinds of things that the world does, that Satan would lead them to do, but God says to avoid. Now verse 16, he says this, Thus saith the Lord, when God says something, we ought to probably perk up our ears and listen. And not just with these kind of ears, with me standing here, but, let, but as I said when we, when we prayed, uh, when we got ready to pray, ask God to open up your ears of understanding, open up your eyes that you can see the truth of God's word and not just hear me up here. Because you can sit here and listen for the next 30 minutes or hour and a half, depending on how long I preach. You can sit here and listen for that period of time, but if you're not really listening, it won't do you any good. He says, thus saith the Lord there in verse 16. Stand ye in the ways. 
He's using an illustration. He, uh, and, 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 and God did that with the prophets many different ways, many different times. Uh, some of the prophets, he would have them, uh, have them do and act out certain things. There's, poor, there's, one, there's one poor prophet that had to, to put on a pair of, he was supposed to take a pair of undergarments, under, underclothes, and, and, and he was to get them all dirty and muddy and, and filthy and torn, and then he had to put them on and wear them around the streets as a visible illustration to the people of Israel as he preached his message. I'm glad that I don't have to wear dirty underwear to, to be an illustration to you. There, there was one man who had to, one prophet who had to marry a bride who was a harlot, have a family with her, and then have her go back out into the harlotry and then go back and purchase her again as a picture of what God, God's love for the people of Israel and how they were turning their back on him and how he desired to bring them back unto him and there were a whole lot of pictures. Here is a, a word picture. He says, you, he says, he says, listen to me. He says, he says in verse 16, thus saith Lord, stand ye in the ways. He's using this picture of an intersection. Somebody who's lost their direction, who doesn't know which way to go. He says, I want you to go out into the roadways and look at the different paths that you can take. You are at a crossroads today. He says, I want you to go out and look to see where you're supposed to go. Look at the different paths and which way is the right way to go. And go and stand there. Take, take, uh, it, it's the, before you understand how to get where you're supposed to go, you have to understand where you are. Anybody ever, you know how to read a map? When, when, when I was, uh, when I first got, uh, moved to Maine and uh, <coughs> I, I, I sat down in the ambulance, my, uh, my priest after the guy, well, I was a paramedic at the time, but the guy who I worked with for the first six months at Delta was an old guy. Now, us young people use GPSs. You punch in the, the coordinates, and, and it just tells you where to go. But at, at the time, back then, GPSs were not all that accurate, and they might take you down some back road that's not a road anymore through some cow pasture. That actually happened two or three times. Uh, uh, so, so he said he, was not, he didn't like all those newfangled things. He was, he was 60 years old. He says, listen. In fact, he was one of the first paramedics in the state of Maine. He says, listen, this is what you need. And he pulled out this map. And he goes, every call, you're going to give me directions on how to get there. And I said, well, I, I, I've never really read a map before. I was new to Maine. I didn't, know what, I didn't have a clue to where I was going. First call comes in. He goes, all right, where are we going? Do you know how much pressure there is when you've got somebody having a heart attack at the, other end of, at, the, at the destination, and I've got to be the one to figure out where to go? Now, the sad thing is he knew where to go because he'd been working at this job forever and lived in the area forever, but he wanted to make me figure it out. And the first thing I had to learn was where our base was on that map, because you have to know where you're at to figure out where you're going and how to get there. So, so here, uh, and thankfully, uh, I was able to very quickly learn how to read a map, uh, because, well, pressure makes you learn things quickly. <laughs> and nobody died on, in the process of it. It all worked out. Uh, but but, uh, but as, as God says to, or Jeremiah says, through the, the, the moving of God and the, 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 the words of God, he says to the people, go out and stand in the way. What he's saying is go out and figure out where you're at. Go out and, and look at the ways. Look where you're at. Figure out where you're at right now because you're not where you've got to be. You're not where you're supposed to end up. You need to, you need to figure out where you're going. And listen, it's important for us to figure out where we are spiritually. 
It's absolutely a necessity. We can say, oh, our church needs to grow. Oh, we need to do this. Oh, we need to do that. Listen, yes, our church, there, there needs to be growth in our church, both spiritually and numerically. We want to see people get saved. We want to see God work. We want to see revival here. But you will never see revival here unless you figure out that you need revival. Because revival doesn't start as some, some great sweeping movement in, a, in one service where we all fall down before God. We say, oh, God. You know where it starts? In one heart. It starts in your heart. It starts in my heart. When I stand and I, I, I say, God, oh, God. I'm sorry for what I've done. I look at my sinfulness. I look at my location. I say, God, I'm not where I should be. I am not what I should be. And by the grace of God and with your help, Lord, with your forgiveness, I will be what you want me to be and I'll do what you want me to do and I'll live how you want me to live, but I can't do that on my own. God, I need you. He said, stand in the way. And I want you to notice there, the word way is not way, it's ways. It's plural. See, the truth is there's not only one way to go. There's only one right way to go. But there's not only one way to go. Jesus told the disciples there is a broad way and a wide gate, and there's a narrow way and a straight. There's a straight way and a narrow gate. There are multiple ways you can go. Uh, I, I do want to say this. According to Jesus, he is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're here today and you're saying, I, I don't know which way to go and I don't know what to do, my life's a mess, and I, I can't seem to figure things out, uh, uh, the, the weight of my sin is upon me, and I don't know. Listen, Jesus is the way. Jesus died for our sins because he loved us so much. He came as, as the perfect son of God, the sacrificial lamb. He died on that tree. His blood was the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And the, 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 the agony of his soul was set apart or set aside the wrath of God. And we can stand before God forgiven. Praise God because of what Jesus Christ did for us. But we have to place our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. If we deny any of those things, if we deny the son, we deny the father. If you don't have the son you don't have the father i want you to understand he is the way he's the way to heaven he's the way to salvation he's the way back to god but while he is the way there are many ways that people go and sadly enough there are many ways that even believers go because there's only one way to heaven but and there's only one right way to live Israel is the people of God. God had chosen them. They had followed God. They rejected God. They followed God. They walked away from God. They followed God. They had gone through this pattern here. And, and here they were at a time where they were walking away from God, where God was trying to bring them back, but their hearts were, their hearts were hard. They didn't delight themselves in the word of God. They, they didn't delight themselves in God's way. They said, we want to go in our own way. But again, the Bible tells us this, that the, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. While there is only one way, there are many ways. And he says, go and consider the ways. That's the next part of the verse there, verse 16. It says, and, and ask for the old paths. It says, actually, verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see. That word see means consider. It means you need to stop and ponder. You need to try to figure out which is the right way for you to go. Figure out where you're at and figure out where you're going. That's the next step on reading the map. 
There are many different ways in which you can reach certain destinations. But when we're talking about the Word of God, there is, while we have the starting point at our salvation, we're on the way. I want you to understand the destination is firm. That's through Jesus Christ, and that promise is sure. But sometimes we take a wrong path. It's a path that will cost us. It's a path that will, 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 will slow us down. It's a path that will hinder us. It doesn't, it doesn't change. It does not change our salvation. It does not take that away. We are saved by God. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And we are kept until the day of redemption. That, that promise is sure. But what we do on this earth, how we live our lives on the earth, we have to decide how we're going to live. So he says, stop and see. So today we're going to look at some paths for us to consider. Some things for us to, to look at and ponder and, and figure out if we're going in the good way. That's what he says in the next part of the verse is, where is the good way? It says to ask, by the way. He doesn't say figure it out for yourself. He says ask where the good way is. Ask for the old Paths. Well, what are the old paths? Well, if, if, if you've ever gone someplace and, and it's talking about not looking for a new one, I want to I clarify this. There have been people that have preached out of this, this passage and they talk about, well, the old ways are the best ways. We've got we to we we do this and do this and do this and do this. That's not what I'm trying to get at this morning. I'm not going to sit here and preach a certain set of standards uh, that, we, that, that uh, you have to do. Uh, there was a time when they all, everybody wore robes and now people wear different clothes, right? I'm not talking about those types of things. I'm not talking about saying, well, we can't have any new music that, that isn't good. But I, I do want to say this. There is a whole lot of bad music out there, and there's a whole lot of immodest dress out there. And we need to live our lives not according to somebody's old standards, but according to the standard which gives us the direction for our life. Ask for the old paths. What are those old paths? The Bible. It is that simple. They weren't walking in those old paths. They, they, were, they, they weren't walking in the, the old way. They were, they, they, in fact, the Bible says there in verse 10 that they did not delight therein. They found no pleasure in the law of God or in the word, word of God. They found it restrictive. They found, it, they found that it confronted them. They found that it made them feel bad about themselves, and they didn't like it. Well, guess what? When we're, direct, when we're confronted, and it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to have somebody preaching a message and, and sitting there and, and the, the Spirit of God is convicting you, poking you in the heart. The Word of God is cutting you deep. You're like, this doesn't feel good. But sometimes it hurts to get better. I used to, I used to have a gallbladder and I used to have an appendix. I don't have either one anymore. When I was in my early 20s, my appendix uh, got inflamed. And man, and that hurts, by the way. I, I, I was, before I was on the ambulance, I was actually in, in school to be a, an EMT, and, and I went in to do ride time, and I showed up at the, at the ambulance service. That's a really good place to get sick. Uh, I showed up at the ambulance service, and, and I sat there for a couple hours, and it just hurt, and I went home and moaned and groaned on the couch until my mom called the, called the doctor and says, something's wrong. And he said, well, does check if he, has, if he has a fever. She said, well, a very slight one. He goes, take him to the hospital. He's got appendicitis. And he was right. And guess what they did? I have a scar from here to here. They had to cut me open, and it hurt. 
They had to sew me back up once they cut that, that thing out because it was inflamed and in danger of, uh, of, 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 of bursting. And so they cut that out. But guess what? While that pain did hurt, while it hurt to go through that, I felt a whole lot better afterwards. And it was a different kind of hurt. Years later, after I was married, I, I, I had a appendicitis. I was working on appendicitis, a gallbladder attacks, and I, uh, I had the first one on my honeymoon, and had had another one a few a few months later, and it, it just it kept happening. One day, I was working at a United Ambulance, and I, I go in there, and I'm sitting there, and actually, I was supposed to be working that night, but I came in early accidentally. It was, it was messed up. And I'm sitting there, thinking, should I go home or what do I do? I don't feel very good. And somebody walked in, and they look at me like, are you all right? Because you know. Paramedics are kind of in tune with how people look. And I said, I don't feel very good. And he goes, have you ever had a gallbladder attack? And I said, I have. And he said, let's go to the hospital. It's great when the, when the, when the supervisor of the EMS service takes you in. You don't even have to go by ambulance. They don't do anything. They take you right to a bed. And they stuck an IV and gave me morphine. That was awesome. Not the morphine part, but the fact they didn't hurt anymore part. And guess what they did? They cut, they cut me here, here, and here. And I, uh, they did a laparoscopic surgery. But they removed that, 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 that sick part of my body. And while I walked around like this, because it felt like my stomach was going to fall out of those three little holes, I don't know how that works, uh, eventually that healed, and I feel a whole lot better today. You know why? Because my gallbladder doesn't act up anymore. What, what happened? I, 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 I saw the way. They considered what needed to be done, and they fixed the problem. And while it hurt for it to happen, I'm a whole lot better off because it did. He says, where is the good way? Walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. See, the truth is, God looks at us, and he sees us as he sees us, not as we see ourselves. You and I, we look at our lives and we think everything is okay, that, that there aren't any problems, but God looks down at our life in his holiness and he sees our wickedness and our sinfulness. Yes, he sees our, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Don't misunderstand me. We are justified by, justified by God. He does, uh, we are, we, our sins are all forgiven. But that doesn't mean that we're to live in sin. And when I say live in sin, I don't mean what I say up here on the pulpit is sin, or what Joe Schmo on the radio says is sin, or what your neighbor says is sin, or what you think is sin. I mean what the Bible says is sin. That is, what we, that is how he looks at us. That is uh, his, his holiness. The word of God is how we are to measure ourselves. And we're to look at that word and we're to allow it to infiltrate us. Uh, Colossians 3.16 says to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I mean, it changes us from the inside out. We are washed by the water of the word. He cleanses us and sanctifies us. Yes, he sees us as, as, as the righteousness of Jesus Christ, but it's a, it's a continual work in us until the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I'm confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. If you are saved, you, you are saved and you are forgiven, but God's not done working with you yet. You are not perfect, Brother Frank. Or any one of us. None of us are perfect. But God sees what needs to change. So stop today and consider the ways. Consider the ways. Let's turn back to, to, to Psalms chapter 1. Remember what it says there in, that, that, uh, the, that those people, they, they, the Israelites, did not delight. They had no delight in his way. They thought it was a reproach unto them. Psalm chapter 1 is a very familiar passage of Scripture. 
but just because it's familiar does not mean it's not powerful or it's not effective and it doesn't mean anything for our life. Just because you quoted it once in a Sunday school class or just because you've heard it a million times does not mean it's not still effective for your life. It says, Blessed is the man, verse 1, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish." This, this, chapter, this chapter divides the ungodly from the godly. It sets the two apart. It says there are two different ways in which that you can live your life. You can live God's way or you can live your way. When I was, when I was 14, 15, 16 years old, we lived on a, on a piece of property. My parents had bought a house that, that had five acres of grass. That is a lot of mowing to do. It would take me two days at times, depending on how lazy I was at getting it done, what time I started. And thankfully, I was homeschooled, so once I was done, I'd get on that lawnmower and get out there and mow the grass. And I'd finish that when it got dark, and guess what? The next day, I'd finish my schoolwork, and I'd get back out there and mow some more lawn. But my dad had a specific way, a certain way, that he liked to have it done. In fact, here's a phrase he used all the time. There are two ways to do things. There is my way and the wrong way. <laughs> meaning I could have done it any other way because there's lots of different ways to mow grass but anyway besides my dad's way was the wrong way do you know why because he was my dad and it was his land and it was his it was his grass and it was his lawnmower and I was his son that didn't mean I always did it the way he wanted me to <laughs> but there was only one right way here, God says uh, that uh, he, he knows the way of the ungodly, and he knows the way of the righteous. So today, let's look at a few things here. Verse 1 says, blessed, or happy, blessed under the blessings of God, is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. See, uh, that word counsel means the, the advice, the words of wisdom that you might get from somebody. We all need advice or counsel at some, some time or another. Sometimes more of us, we need it more than we think we do. Uh, uh, but, but, uh, but what it's saying is that a godly man, uh, a, a blessed man, doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't go to, to the, those that walk against the way of God, that live against the way of God, that believe against the way of God, to look for advice. Now, I'm not saying advice is bad. The Bible says that, that uh, in a multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. It's good for us to get good advice. But if you're going to get advice from somebody who does not get their advice from the word of God, and you're going to live according to that advice, guess what you've done? You've walked in the counsel of the ungodly. It, 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 when, I, as, as, when I was working as, as a firefighter and a paramedic, uh, I'll, I'm just going to be upfront and honest. The number of people that got divorces in that field uh, is, is, is tragically high. 
Most, most firefighters, most paramedics, most cops are the same way because of the, the, the nature of their job, the, the, the requirement of the hours away from home, the, the, the work that's put into it, and the, the, the mixing of, 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 of the building of friendships outside of your marriage. The, the number of people that, that, that get divorced and, or, and have affairs is ridiculously high. I can remember there were several days when I'd be at work and I was the only one who hadn't had a divorce. That was working. But what, what always amazed me was that those who began to have troubles at home with their spouse would then go to the people that they worked with and get, ask advice of the guy who'd had three divorces. Does that make any logical sense to anybody? If you are looking to save your marriage, go to the one who couldn't keep it. No. That's ungodly advice. It's, it's ungodly counsel. But it's not just that kind of, that kind of thing. It's, it's, it's talking about who you go to, to for direction on how to live your life. It says, he that walketh in the counsel of the ungodly. Listen, there, there's, there are a lot of people that are, want to give you counsel today. There are a lot of people that will tell you what's right and what's wrong and how you should live your life. From people to institutions to the government. Right? And there are a lot of people that, that, that are out there that will say, this is what you should do in your situation. And I'm not saying they're always wrong in what they say. But we should not live our lives according to the counsel of this world. Because who is the God of this world? Satan. You think he's going to give you good advice to help your marriage or help you to raise your kids right? Think he's going to give you good advice on how to how to live in a way that glorifies God or brings honor to God's name or is a blessing to others or a blessing to the church? Absolutely not. See, there's two ways to live. You can live your life in accordance with the counsel of this world. And they want you to. In fact, they'll look at you if you don't, and they'll think you're crazy. Or I think some of us are crazy as it is. But the end thereof, man, it's costly. It's costly. Or to not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Notice the next part of the verse is, nor standeth in the seat of sinners. Uh, seat of sinners. There's, there's a progression here, as we're going to see. He, it says walking, standing, or sitting. But, uh, so this is important. Uh, uh, so uh, somebody that walks in the way of the ungodly will undoubtedly find themselves standing in the way of sinners. See, if you go back to, to, the, to the, the book of Genesis, if you look at Abraham and Lot, if you remember, Abraham had, had, had a nephew. His name was Lot. Lot was a just man, according to, according to the, the, the Pauline epistles. Uh, 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 or uh, I believe it was the book of James, actually. Uh, uh, he was a just, a just man. He, he loved God. He knew God. Uh, he had Abraham as, as a brother, or as, as an uncle, who taught him all about God. He saw the works of God. But if you remember, there came a point in, the, in, in their lives that, that while God was blessing Abraham and God was blessing Lot and they, they, they both had large amounts of herds of sheep and goats and the herdsmen were fighting and Abraham came to Lot and said this shouldn't be, we're family let's, let's fix this I'll tell you what, you look around you decide which way you want to go and then I'm going to go the opposite direction uh, you, you make the choice. Abraham, the, 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 his uncle, the man who was wise, the one who, who loved God, said, you know what, I'm going to let you make the choice 
I've got the bigger herds. I've got the, God has given me the promise, the, the, the promise, the covenant's been made with me. But you go and you, you, you choose where you want to go. And Lot looked around. And the Bible says that he saw the plains headed towards Sodom. Now, you know Sodom and Gomorrah was a wicked city that God comes to judge later. But, but, uh, uh, but uh, he saw that, he saw that it was green, it was beautiful, it was perfect for sheep, and he didn't, he didn't care about Abraham or his flocks. He said, that's what I want. I'll go that way. And Abraham said, okay, I'll go there into the desert where there's not much water and God will take care of us. And he wasn't upset about it. And they split ways. We see, we see Lot there. It says he pitched his tent towards Sodom. The next time that we, that we hear about Lot, he's living in the city of Sodom. Uh, the, some kings have come, across, uh, come against the king of Sodom and, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and they've they, they uh, taken captive many of the people, including Lot and his family and all of their belongings. And so we, we see him there, and Abraham goes and he rescues him and sets him free. And you know where we see Lot next? He's not just living in the city. He's sitting in a place of leadership at the gate. What's happened? That progression that takes place, even in the lives of Christians. Say, well, Lot couldn't have been a Christian the way that he was living. Uh, yes, he was. The Bible says he vexed his righteous soul. It says, just Lot. Meaning he was justified by his faith. He loved God, he believed God, but because he didn't walk in the path of God, he walked in his own way. Guess where he ended up? in the midst of sin. And it cost him. It cost him literally everything. Lot's wife, when, they, when the angels came and they pulled them out of Sodom, he tried to go and get his daughters that were married and they laughed him to scorn. They thought he was kidding. They refused to come. He had two daughters at home and his wife and the angels grabbed them and literally dragged them out. And his wife looked back. And God judged her and turned her a pillar of salt. And Lot said, said, don't make us go all the way to the mountains. There's this little city not far. Spare that city and let's go there. And they were allowed to go there, but then they left there and they went up to the mountains. And if you remember what happened, Lot's daughters worried about the loss of their family and the lineage of the father, for some strange reason, got him drunk two nights in a row. One went into, unto him one night, and the next went in unto him the second night. And they had children. He lost everything. Why? Started all the way back. And Abraham said, pick a direction. And he cast his eyes towards Sodom. He looked the wrong way. And it progressively took him away from God. He says, it says here, he sitteth in the in, or standeth in the way of the sinful. This is the way of the sinful are those that, that live in accordance with their flesh. They, they, uh, to, to sin is to, 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 to break the law of God, to miss the mark. To, 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 the, the, the God says live this way, and they're living this way. And those that walk in the counsel of the ungodly find themselves smack dab square in the center of, uh, of standing with the sinners. Their lives are, are, you're unable to distinguish their lives from those around them. It is sad today that there are so many secret Christians 
in your workplaces, in your schools, everywhere that you're at, if, if, if they don't know, not because of just the words that you say, but the life that you live, the choices that you make, because that's what it talks, what it means about walking in the way or standing in the way. It's, it's not just that we're not to be among sinners, because we are. Jesus was among sinners. But he wasn't, a, but he wasn't like that. Notice the difference? So they started by walking in the counsel of the ungodly. They came to the point where they were standing in the way of sinners. And then sadly it says, it blesses the man that not, that not nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. This word sitting is interesting. If you do a study on the word sit and you find people to sit, one is it's a picture of inactivity. As somebody who doesn't do much, but the other the other thought of it is is it's a it's a place of of judgment, uh, and, and a place where one judges others. And here you have these these scornful. A scornful person is one who who chides, who makes fun of, who who ridicules somebody else. So so here you have he says, "Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful." There there are those that are out there, and they are ridiculing, they are rejecting the word of God, the truth of God, the way of God, and they're ridiculing and making fun of the people that do. They're they're judging them from their self-appointed seat of judgment, saying, "You are fools, you are ridiculous. How can you be there?" Say, "I would never be there." All it has to do is you start. And walking in the counsel of the ungodly. And one day you will find yourself sitting in that seat of scornful. See, there is a wrong way for us to live our lives. But there's also a right way. Verse 2 says, but his, who's the blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. Remember Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 10 says that, they, that, that the, the law of God was a reproach unto them and they had no delight in it. The right way for them would, to be would have been to have a love for, a delight in the word of God. The word of God for us as children of God should be everything. I'll say it again. The word of God as children of God for us should be everything. It is, the, the Bible says, it is, it, it is to be more, uh, more desired to, for us than our necessary food. You all like to eat, right? We're Baptists. We like to eat. We're humans. We like to eat. I'm fat. I like to eat. Uh, it's okay to, to like to eat. It's okay to desire those things because we need food. But we're desired of the Word of God more. There's a picture I saw. She's not in here to make fun of. There's a picture of, of uh, I saw, uh, somebody took of Amanda at a restaurant. Was it you that took the picture? <laughs> right at, what was she eating? If you know who Paula Dean is, she cooks. She's a southern cook, and she can cook. And she cooks with butter and sugar. Now, I don't know what she ate, but there was a picture taken of Amanda right after she took her first bite of this, and it looked like she was in heaven. <laughs> she had this look of, James was jealous of whatever she was eating right then. <laughs> there was, there was, she, she delighted in what she just put in her mouth. We are to delight ourselves in the word of God. It should not be a chore. It should not be a drudgery. It should not be the last thing that we do. It should be the first thing that we reach for when we wake up in the morning. It should be our desire to be in the word of God. 
And I don't mean just to read your chapter and then set it aside and go on through the day because it says, His delight is, uh, is the law of the Lord, and in His law doth He meditate day and night. He doesn't just spend a few minutes reading the Word in the morning, so He's all set and He's done His, He's checked His box for the day. He's read it, He's studied it, He's meditating on it through the, through the day and through the night. He, he stops and thinks, Man, how does that, how does that affect me? Uh, how does it, what, is, what does that mean for me today? What does that tell me about God? He, 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 he's trying to study and understand. He said, God, open unto my eyes the wondrous truths out of thy law. I want to know what you have for me today. And he's open to, and to the Spirit teaching him from the Word of God, and he hungers for it. It's a never-ending thing, just like eating is never-ending. You all ate breakfast this morning? Maybe some of you didn't, but I bet you're going to eat sometime today. And guess what? You're going to eat sometime tomorrow. And you're going to eat sometime the day after that. So when you stop eating, you know what happens? You die. Our bodies need the food. Guess what? We spiritually need the food of the word of God. It says, it says the blessed is a man that, that, that loves the law of God. His, his light is the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. As he begins to, to live and not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but to walk in the counsel of the word of God. Man, what a, what a thing that would be. For us to live our lives in accordance with the word of God, not in accordance with how we feel, not in accordance with what we want, not in accordance with what other people tell us, but to live ourselves, our lives in accordance with what this book says how we should live. Not easy. Not in and of ourselves. But with the spirit of God, guess what we can do? We walk in the spirit. And it will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It strengthens us, it encourages us, it helps us to grow. We walk in his way. Notice what happens when that happens. It says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in a season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. There are three things that it says he's planted by the rivers of water and bringeth forth his fruit in the season. Man, he is plentiful. That, that, he says that, that, that blessed man who, who's rooted and grounded in the word of God, uh, who gains his nutrients and strength from the word of God, he says he's like a tree that's planted by the river of water. Have you ever seen like, a tree by the river? And have you ever seen a tree that's out in the middle of nowhere in a desert? They are two different trees. Now, they may be the same kind of tree, but they, they respond differently. See, the one that's planted by the river of water gets its strength. Uh, it has much, uh, it has, uh, much water to, to strengthen it, to help it to grow. And, and, and it, it grows and it blooms. And, man, it's, it's big and strong and unbendable. The wind will blow and it will stand there strong. It won't go anywhere. It, 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 it is fruitful in its season, meaning, meaning as it's time for the fruit to come forth, guess what? There's fruit. I like apple trees because guess what? They produce apples. I would be very upset if I planted an apple tree and waited 10 years for it to grow and it didn't produce anything. In the, in the New Testament, Jesus walked by and he was hungry and he saw a fig tree, if you remember, and he looked at that fig tree and there were no figs, even though it was the season for it. And he cursed it and it withered and died. Why? Because he had a desire for figs. There should have been figs there where there were no figs. If we are rooted and planted in the Word of God, the Spirit of God will bring forth the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Not the fruits, not many different fruits. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the outflowing of the work of the Holy Spirit in our, God, in our lives. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. And in its season, when it's time, when those things are needed, those things will come forth in our lives. 
joy, even when it's a time of grieving. It's not normal, but it is a grace of God and a work of the Spirit in your life. Love for those that hate you and ridicule you and, and live that want nothing to do with you. Love for them is not normal, but it is when the Spirit of God is working in you. It's a grace of God. Peace. When the world is falling down around our ears and we're not sure what's going on and gas prices are going up and, and our paychecks are going down and, and we're not sure how we're going to feed our families or put clothes on our back or how we're even going to get to church because we don't have enough gas. Guess what? There can be peace in your heart because the Spirit of God is in you and you trust Him. Long-suffering. That is something I struggle with. Patience. The word long-suffering means literally suffering long. I don't like to suffer. I want my suffering to be over, done, and quick. I'm diabetic now, and I, I'm supposed to check my sugar every day. I don't check it every day because I hate sticking myself with those little needles. Now, it doesn't hurt that much. If somebody else wants to stick me, a nurse, not just anybody, because my kids have offered, I'm okay with somebody else doing it. But there's that anticipation of me with that little thing in my hand. And most of the time it doesn't even hurt. But every once in a while, it, ow, that, that kind of stings. I'll stick that thing on there, and my kids come over and they stand there and watch. Drives me crazy. Go away. I don't need you doing this. I get grumpy. Long-suffering isn't about that. Long-suffering is how I deal with the kids. <laughs> Hannah's like, I'll push the button, Daddy. No, you won't. Spirit of God can work in me in that. And listen, there's a whole lot worse things that we can go through. We laugh about that because it is funny and stupid and ridiculous. But there are trials in our lives. So how do I how do I how do I be patient in the midst of this trial? The Spirit of God. You know, you know how that happens? The Word of Christ dwells in you richly. You delight in the Word of God. Your your mind is renewed by the Spirit of God and the Word of God day by day. You choose to walk in his counsel. You stand in his way. You submit yourself to his authority. You should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth in a season, and fruit of his fruit in a season. His leaf also shall not wither. Because when the sun get, comes out, and there's a drought. His leaves don't dry up and fall off. He stands strong. Do you know why? Because he doesn't get the nutrients from the rain that falls, the blessings, the good things that fall. He gets his strength from the river that he's planted by. We are to gather, garner our strength by abiding in Christ. And when we do that, when the sun is hot over our heads, the difficulties loom over us, and we're not sure what's going to happen, we don't dry up spiritually. We don't wither. We prosper. We continue on. We persevere. There that we see, he says, and whatsoever you do, it shall prosper. I don't know about you, but I want to prosper in my life. I want to be successful. 
Now, God's version of success is different from the world's version of success, and I'm not to be walking like the world and be successful like the world. I'm to be successful or prosperous in the things of God. How do I do that? By allowing God to make me prosperous. And the truth is, if, no matter what happens in my life, as long as I am walking in God's way and by his side, living my life to please him, regardless of what's going on in my life, if I'm obedient to God, I am prosperous. I am successful. Because when I get to heaven, God will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Verse 4 says, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff, which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. There is a division, and God knows that line. There is God's way, and there is not God's way. So why don't we stop and take a look at the roadmap of our lives as individuals? Turn back to Jeremiah chapter 6. We're almost done. Jeremiah chapter 6. Stop and take a look at the road map. We stop and see. Look at the ways. Where are we at in our Christian life? Say, well, I think I'm doing okay. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. So what do we do then? Well, we pray like David. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. There's a, there was a, a, a revival that took place many, many years ago in, in, a, in an isle uh, or island. Uh, it's the Isle, isle of uh, Lewis. Thank you. I love the, I love the story. It, it started out with three old women, or two old women, sorry, they were sisters. Uh, they were, they were, they'd never gotten married, uh, they were blind, couldn't leave their houses, and, but they had a concern for the young people in, the, in, their, in, their, in their town, in the, in the area where they lived, uh, because they were, they were off uh, gallivanting and dancing and drinking and doing all kinds of uh, crazy, rambunctious things, and uh, girls were getting pregnant, and things, things were, were bad, they were leaving the church in droves, and they began to pray and ask God for revival. And God put it in, 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 the, in one of their hearts uh, to reach out to an evangelist uh, uh, who, to, to come and to preach. Now, this is a well-known evangelist. Uh, uh, he traveled all over the place. But God told them that this was supposed to happen. So they sent him a letter. And he wrote them back. says, I can't come. I'm already booked. I can't, I can't come that direction. And then <laughs> all of those bookings got canceled <laughs> all at once. He says, well, I got the opening, so I'll go. He wrote them back and said, I'll be, I'll be coming in. The church began to pray at that point because this evangelist, uh, the deacons, the men of the church, uh, uh, the, the weight of, of the need of revival began to fall upon them. And there was one night in particular where, where the men of the church got together. They met in this barn, and, and uh, they saw God begin to move and work there that day. Uh, as they began to pray, one of the deacons stood up, not, not uh, to pray to, in front of anybody else, but he, as he was praying, he stood up and he says, he says Lord, your word says uh, that, that who shall ascend unto the, thy holy hill? He who hath clean hands and a pure heart. And he asked God this question. Is my heart clean? Is my heart pure? And are my hands clean? And God began to show him the, the changes that needed to take place in his life. And he fell to his knees weeping. 
the Spirit of God moved in that place, and, it, and that revival began to stir right there. And, those, and, those, and the, the small group of men, it started because there were two women that began to pray, and the Spirit of God worked in them, and now began to work here. And listen, that, 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 that revivalist showed up to preach, and he wanted to go home and, and, and go, to, go, to, or go to the hotel and get some rest because he'd been traveling, he'd been on a ship all day, he, he was tired. And the man who picked him up says, listen, we need you to come to the church. There's a group of people there, and they're waiting for you. Why? Because revival had started. And he went and he began to preach, and people got saved, and people got right, and began to repent, and 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 it preached for hours, and for 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 hours, and the people kept coming, and he didn't know what to do. And finally, he's exhausted, he's tired, he's hungry, he hasn't eaten, and and he's getting ready. To, he says we're going to close down, and and one of the deacons said, "There's a whole another group standing outside waiting." Because it couldn't all fit inside the church. What had happened, the, the, the account is that the, the young people that, they, that those women had been praying for, they, they, were, they were at the dance halls and they were at the bars and they were, they were doing all the things that they had been doing. And the Spirit of God fell so heavily on them in that place. Where they were at, they became convicted of their sin. And they, they went to the one place that they knew they could hear the truth. And the Spirit of God moved. Generations later, there are still people that are, that are, that are in church and, 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 and serving God because of what happened on that day. And listen, that revival wasn't a one-day thing or a two-day thing. That, that man didn't leave the, the Isle of Lewis for, for three years. He would preach from church to church to church. Why? Because somebody stopped and said, Lord, are my hands clean and is my heart pure? He took stock in his own life. He didn't think about the other guys that were in the room with him, about what their foul-ups, what their mishaps, what their sin was, what their weaknesses were. He, he looked at himself and said, God, show me. God is saying, open your eyes. Let the Spirit show you what needs to change. There in Jeremiah, chapter 6, verse 16. There's an indictment upon the people. But they said, we will not walk there. If you follow what happened to the church, or not the church, the, the Israelites, while judgment didn't come right then, judgment did come. And according to the book of, of, of uh, Second Chronicles, it came and that without, uh, the, without remedy. There was no turning back. There was no, there was no mercy in that point of time. There was judgment. Why? Because they said, we will not walk there. They said, we see your way, God. We don't want to do that. We'll walk in our way. Where are you at this morning? Are you walking in the ways of God? Is there a possibility that in your life that there are choices that you have made that go opposite of what God would teach? Listen, our culture is, is, is wicked and sinful, and it's trying to invade us. And listen, it's not because of the people. It's because who controls the culture. 
He wants to get a hold of your hearts and your minds. Does he have you? Does Satan have a stronghold in your life somewhere? Music? Pornography? TV programs? Well, I don't, I don't do anything. I don't watch pornography. I don't listen to crazy music. Pride? Self-righteousness? Hypocrisy? The list of sinfulness is not just the gross sins that we think of. God says he hates pride. It's an abomination unto him. Are your hands clean? Is your heart pure? Are you walking in his way? Or are you walking in yours? Father, we thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. That you'd have your way with our hearts. Lord, may they be tender to you. May we be honest with ourselves. May you forgive us. Please, Lord. Christ, we pray. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed.